Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So um, I was explaining to some of the Dream Teamers this morning that uh, myself and another Grace Ambassador who you know very well, Sumi, we've been for a month in Durban and uh, we made a point of making sure that we were back so that we could attend yesterday's conference and just fellowship corporately with those of you that were able to be there as well as the different campuses that were represented. And when we walked in, it felt like home. And this morning when I walked in here, as always, it felt like home. And um, what was also um, amazing is the freedom that a person has in a home. And some of you know, you know, you are uncles and aunties or you have younger brothers or sisters and they look up to you, but it also means as the eldest, sometimes you get away with doing things that aren't usually done. And so this morning I did something and caused a little bit of chaos before the chairs were laid out in that this morning I rushed to the Woolworths and I found these two little packs of chocolate eggs. And Dream Team meeting happened and we prayed and we fellowshiped and it was almost time to start setting up and then the auntie caused some chaos with the kids and I said, somewhere in there, there are these two little boxes of these chocolate eggs. Somewhere in there, but there's two rules. And the first rule is, if you find a box, you can't get the other box, okay? So you can only find one. And uh, the second thing is, I said, your time starts now, but I didn't tell them how much time they had. So there's this pressure that builds when we don't know how much time is left. And there's an urgency that builds. Marky, you saw it. They were, they were like crazy. They were in there, and I was like, oh, be kind. It's not in there. I'm like, get out of the classrooms. It's not in there. It's in here. And some of them came so close. They literally were right there, grabbing for it, trying to reach for it. But for some reason, they didn't perceive it. And uh, what happened was, when I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me I, I attended a corporate event last year, and it was round about this time, Easter time. And, uh, you know, it's a meeting with very formal, professional people, but they kind of have to break the ice, and they don't know how to do it. I don't have any shame, so when they said there's an Easter egg hunt, I'm very competitive, I was going to win. <laughs> and what's interesting about an Easter egg hunt when you have older people is sometimes they want to take a step back. I don't want your Easter eggs. I can go into the shop and buy my own Easter eggs. And I could see, like, you know, some of the adults this morning, it was like they weren't upset the kids got the opportunity. So they took the opportunity to help the kids. Hey, why don't you look there? I think I saw Auntie there earlier. Why don't you go look there? You know, so they took, they took this opportunity to partake. So, um, yeah, I, I was running around that venue last year and people were helping me 
people I would not expect because they looked just so professional, saying, uh, you know, under that tablecloth there's a napkin kind of, maybe it's under there. Yes, there was. Do you see that horrible floral arrangement? Somewhere in the base I saw someone walk past, look in there. That wood pile that's very indistinct, go look in there. And I looked and I was like, great was my reward. I was like, I will get the most Easter eggs here. I will win. And I did. And I didn't know, but there was a prize for getting the most Easter eggs. And at the end of it all, I was presented with Ferrero Rocher. I mean, the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> I did share. but So in preparing this message, I say to myself, what is the will of God? And do we need to hunt it down? What is the will of God? And do we need to hunt it down? And there's some talk, sometimes people say things that are silly, and they'll maybe say that, you know, there's a different will of God, or there's several. God has several wills happening at the same time. There's only one God. There's only one will of God. So those of you with your Bibles, please turn to me. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. This is the Berean uh, study or standard version. And 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. And uh, I see that the translators of this version have added therein a call to prayer. They've titled it that. And it says, First of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone for kings and those in authority, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony that was given at just the right time. So, when we see something like that in the Bible, I always want to ask myself, is, is this consistent with God's nature? Is this consistent with what we know? So, jot down and turn to Deuteronomy 30. And verse 19, it's, it's, very, it's a very famous verse, but I'm going to read it to you out of the modern English version. And it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life, death, blessing, and a curse. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac and Jacob to give to them. So this morning I sent the kids on this wild Easter egg hunt and I just want to encourage all of you we don't have to go hunting to find the will of God. But in the will of God, we go hunting. So hear that again. We don't have to go hunting 
to find the will of God, but in the will of God, we go hunting. So the title of my message today is The Goodwill Hunting of God. So I, um, I'm very privileged, Jackie and I, um, we have a dad and we love him very, very much. And he's getting on in years. And uh, he does that particular thing that old people do. And we do that particular thing that young people do. And the particular thing that he does is the repeating of stories. Right? Some of you are nodding because you are the old people that do that. Okay. And I think, you know, sometimes we get too familiar with the stories. And we should never, ever get too familiar with the word of God. So Jesus, he gave us this knowledge in the word of God, spoke about it in parables, in stories. And this morning, I want us to be refreshed by his spirit through these stories. So the first um, parable we're going to look at is found in Luke 15. And Luke 15 contains three parables. We're going to go through all of them. Just give me one second. Right, this is the ESV version. version. And it says, um, the parable of the lost sheep, Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me! For what I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This morning when the first person won their little prize, found their little prize eggs, there was great rejoicing, but there was also dismay on on some of the other kids because they were like, ah, oh, until I reminded them, there's another one, go find the other one. And then when that was found, there was also great rejoicing for the one that had found it, but much sadness amongst the other little ones. To which I said, do you know this auntie? Of course I have other Easter eggs in my bag, but you're not getting them now, you'll get them after church, because the last thing we need is children high on sugar running around um, yeah. and not taking in the word of the Lord that they are getting on the other side. So, there Jesus is, is not really talking about a sheep because he's not talking to shepherds. He's using that story to illustrate the importance of seeking out the one that is outside of community of him, that is outside the community of believers. Okay, he goes on to say, or what woman, 
having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we're seeing this great rejoicing happening over finding something that was lost, over finding something that was hidden. And now, finally, he talks about the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. And here's an amazing thing that happens. In verse 17 it says, But when he came to himself, so when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and let us celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked, what's these things meant? And he said to them, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command, 
Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. We need to really catch the heart of God in this. Really catch the heart of God in this. And rejoice over that one. And rejoice over that one several times over. Every single one. Celebrate. It is someone that was dead to their sins as no, and now is alive in God. Right? Yes. Oh, yes. So that was uh, Luke 15. Okay? Yes. And we, get, we can get so happy in that and we can dwell in that. And we can see the beauty in someone making a choice to say yes to Jesus. But Jesus also gives a warning in terms of Luke 14. So we're going to jump there quickly. Um, and this version is from The Voice. So it can sound quite strong. So just be prepared for that. But I do believe it will awaken something within you that needs to be woken up. Yes. Okay. Right. From verse 16. And it's Jesus talking. And he said... A man once hosted a huge banquet and invited many guests. When the time came, he sent his servant to tell the guests who had agreed to come, We're ready. Come now. But then every single guest began to make excuses. One said, Oh, I'm sorry. I just bought some land and I need to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, so sorry, I just bought five pairs of oxen. I need to go check them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and reported their responses to his master. His master was angry and told the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and alleys around the town and bring the poor, the amputees, the blind and the cripples. The servant came back again. Sir, I've done as you said, but there is still more room. And the host said, Well then, go out into the highways and the hedges and bring in complete strangers you find there until my house is completely full. One thing is for sure, not one single person on the original guest list shall enjoy this banquet. So here's a thought. You can't feast if you don't attend. You can't feast if you're not invited. If someone doesn't bring you to the banqueting table. Think about those that were lame, that were crippled. Someone needed to carry them there. Someone needed to labor to get them to where they needed to be. To the feast. They had been invited and they were willing to come. So Sumi and I were enjoying a lot of fellowship in Durban. 
Um, I come from a ministry home. My dad is still very much involved in ministry, and there's always something happening in the Durban community. There's weddings, there's funerals, there are Thanksgivings, there are birthdays. And we were so overjoyed in that we were invited to attend and minister alongside my dad. But sometimes we couldn't attend. And then we would hear from my father of how amazing the event was, how amazing the food was, and we could taste nothing because we weren't there. A feast is only as good as the people that are there. Right? Yes. Right? Let's not be like the people that are tending to oxen and running off because they're married, they can't do what God has called them into. There's, there's no excuse. It's a weak excuse. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't have time for weak excuses. Right? Everyone is invited into a relationship with Jesus, into a loving community. That is what we are here for. But not everyone will say yes. Not everyone will choose yes. And Jesus is very serious because... Whilst this is happening and he's talking, great crowds are gathering. And so from verse uh, 25, it says, Great crowds joined him on his journey, and he turned to them. Jesus said, If any of you come to me without hating your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, even your own life, you can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross as if to your own execution as you follow me, you can't be a part of my movement. Just imagine that you want to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost mm. to be sure that you have enough to finish what you started? If you lay the foundation but then can't afford to finish the tower, everyone will mock you. Look at that guy who started something that he couldn't finish. Or imagine a king gearing up to go to war. Wouldn't he begin by sitting down with his advisors to determine whether his 10,000 troops could defeat the opponent's 20,000 troops? If not, he'll quickly send a peace delegation and negotiate a peace treaty. In the same way, if you want to be my disciple, it will cost you everything. Don't underestimate that cost. Don't be like the salt that has lost its taste. How can its saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is absolutely worthless. You can't even use it as fertilizer, so it's worth less than manure. Don't listen to my words here. Get the deeper meaning. Jesus took the Great Commission very, very seriously. Very, very seriously. So back to our question on the will of God. 2 Peter 3, the New Living Translation says, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. 
No, he is being very patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So Jesus is saying, there's a reckoning coming. There's a time coming. He's tarrying. The Lord is allowing him to tarry for our sakes, for the sake of our community, for the yes. sake of our family, for the sake of our nation, for the sake of this world. It is his will that all be saved. It is his will that we invite everyone to sit at the feet of Jesus, to receive him, to be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not everyone will say yes, but some will not be able to say yes because we have not invited them. Luke 16 and verse 19. And here comes a big wake-up call from someone that could have chosen Jesus, but did not. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay, lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there, longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit be beside Abram at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. He, he didn't go to the banquet. He went to the other place. And he wow. went to the place of the dead. Right? We all have the same Bible. You see that? Yeah. There in torment. Right? That's whatever the opposite of a banquet is, is torment. There in torment, he saw Abram in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Lazarus being the, the poor man. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abram said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything that you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides... There is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Now, when Sumi and I were doing the road trip, we crossed over many, many places where there was a massive uh, chasm. One of the most fav famous places, Titikama, there's a bridge. You know, it's, it is utterly terrifying. Praise Jesus that my eyes were on the road. But when I would look out of the corner of my eye, I would think, praise the Lord, there's a no stopping sign on this bridge because I really 
don't think my heart can bear it to stop to look at the drop. That's how deep and how wide and the bridge is the only way. Jesus is the only way. But you only get yes. to make that choice in this life. You don't get to be on the other side and then decide, I want to actually be there. There's where the banquet's at. Oops. Right. This, is, this is Jesus himself. And I do believe he never ever shared these parables just because he was bored or he had nothing else to say. He really was making people aware that eternity is long, hell is hot. Yes. But eternity starts now. The life with Jesus starts now and it continues on. Okay. So this is terrible. Now the rich man is sitting there. He wants someone to dip his finger. I have water, so I'm I'm okay. Yeah. But he literally wants Lazarus to come now, dip his finger and put it in his mouth to, to try and cool off. I mean what? One drop versus the entirety of hell, that's really not going to help him. So now he's heard, that's not impossible, Lazarus can't come to you um, because of this great chasm that has separated. And then verse 27 says, Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so that they don't end up in the place of torment. There's a very famous Afrikaans saying, I think you guys all know it, spate kom altijd te laat. Right? Right? It doesn't sound as catchy in English. Regret comes too late. All right? It was too late. He was already gone. And the realization was, oh, eternity is a real thing. I could have believed, but I didn't, and now there's no choice to be made. Okay? So, I mean, what, what can you do? His, his heart is now at least open to his family members. He's, he knows now he's stuck there in torment. What about the five brothers? But Abram said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. He knew what was coming. He didn't come to earth just to have a lack of time. He came to earth to fulfill the way to the Father, to reconcile the world back to the Father. He knew what was coming. I also don't think it was coincidental that he uses the name Lazarus because he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And still people chose not to believe in him. So I would ask you this morning, so other than Lazarus and Jesus, who has been risen from the dead until today, people don't believe it? It's a trick question. Other than Lazarus and Jesus. Lekker yay. That's exactly right. Let's go to Galatians 2, verse 19. For through the law, I am dead to the law, that I might live for God. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. I'm so glad I have Jesus. I'm so glad I said yes to Jesus. But there are so many more people that I want to say yes to Jesus. Because this life is too short. This life is way too short and eternity is long enough. And eternity with Jesus is long enough. So I want to ask you guys this this morning, and I'm really not being callous. I've lost people in my life, people very close to me, people in my immediate family. You noticed I talked about my dad. I don't have a mom here. Okay? Luke 20. Does someone dying physically here on earth matter? Verse 37. But now as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush. Long after Abram, Isaac, and Jacob had died, he referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead, for they are all alive to him. That brings so much peace and comfort to my heart. The people that I know that said yes to Jesus, they have joined the great cloud of witnesses. I will get to see them one day. I will get to be my dad and bore them with all my stories that they witnessed and that they know because they'll be there. But they can't be there if we don't invite them. So back to dying sobering thought. I want to know what Jesus thought of this. He taught on this. We've heard now from the Gospel of Luke, from other chapters in the Bible, we've heard now what he thought of this. We've heard that he thought it was important. But the time comes when he is reconciling humanity to God in the 11th hour, and I'm not telling you this because Easter weekend is next weekend. I'm telling you this because every weekend is Easter weekend. Oh, yes. Every weekend is an opportunity, but you need to latch onto that opportunity. That calloused-hearted friend of yours that never attends anything, invite them to church on Easter. 90% of the time, they will attend. Yes. It is Easter. Take every opportunity. Do not, do not let it go to waste. The sower sows the word of God. Yes. Right? We're going to take every opportunity. Luke 23. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. The with him is talking about Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified. One on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. 
He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you are the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus didn't say, hold that thought, buddy. I'm kind of busy right now. I'm about to reconcile the world to God the Father. He stopped for the one and he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. What? By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the world, uh, across the whole land, sorry, until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus held on to the 11th hour so that the person hanging next to him could choose salvation. Wow. What love is that? That is a love that I cannot comprehend in this lifetime. I cannot comprehend that. He must have been in such agony, in such agony. And yet he chose, just like we all get to choose. So I remind you again, my brothers and sisters, the consequences are real. Jesus' death was real. His resurrection was real. And eternal existence is real with or without someone choosing God. You are always free to choose. You are not free from the consequences of your choice. So we have a response that we can give to the Lord today. And the first response is, maybe you are someone here today that does not know Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus, then this community is charged by the word of God to invite you into saying yes to Jesus. Into saying, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you as my savior. I don't want to act like the rich man and have regret when my time comes. Not because I'm scared of death, but because I'd rather have an eternity with you than have one single minute without you in my life. And Jesus said, eternity is knowing him and the Father who sent him. So eternity starts now. It starts today. If your response is this, 
2 Corinthians 6 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Some, ver some versions uh, say that today is the day of salvation. That's 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse, from verse 1. So you could maybe not have that response because you've already received Jesus into your life. You are already walking a walk with Jesus. But sometimes we do things that are foolish. So in certain parts of, of driving from KwaZulu-Natal through the Eastern Cape, all the way through the Western Cape to finally make our way here. Sometimes the signal towers were really bad, and so my GPS signal got lost. Yeah. Or sometimes I got impatient because, yeah. you know, there were taxis or slow drivers or trucks yeah. or whatever, and we would go off course. And we would have to make a choice. Now I've gone off course. I've wasted time, I've wasted petrol, and now I literally need to loop back to get back to the road that's going to take me to the Western Cape. And maybe things have come up in your heart and you've pulled away and you've pulled away from Jesus. And his invitation is, come back. Come back into walking in step with me. Come back into community. Come back into fellowship. Come back. And if so, then today is a a wake-up response for you. Today is the day of salvation for somebody that you could encounter, somebody that is in your life. Somebody needs Jesus that you have inside of you. Today is the day of salvation. And for that, as leaders and elders, we have to call you into maturity and we have to say, we love you, but grow up and get back on mission. Right? I've had to adjust my attitude many times, many, many times, and adjust and say, Lord, I was self-centered in this way. Or, Lord, I I'm trying to do my own thing. I'm trying to go my way and say, Lord, bless me in it. No, 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 no. A crucified corpse, one that has died with Jesus, does not have a will of its own. And so our final response as believers is to say, Lord, I am awake. I am awake and I will be the one to go into the highways and the byways and the hedges and invite people to your banqueting table so that they can go out into the highways and the byways and invite others. Because I want to see the will of God done. So I would like to close for us in prayer and I'd like to say, on your feet, soldiers. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we respond to you and to your call with our entire being. Jesus. 
But we lay aside every selfish ambition, Lord God. We do everything through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And we say thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us Jesus, for holding nothing back from us. Thank you that you are saying that your plan for this world involves us as the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Corporately, we want to say yes. Yes. Individually, Lord God, we want to hold each other by the hand and say, come with me. Come with me as I go to that person whose heart is hard. Come with me as I invite again and again and again. Because if Jesus could hang out till the 11th hour so that one could see salvation, I can endure through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God overflowing inside of me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to choose you and we get to invite others into choosing you, Lord God. And right now, Lord God, we just thank you for each person that is represented here, Lord God, each community member, each family, Lord God, each group of influence that they have access to people throughout the week. They don't need to wait for an appointed time, but we thank you right now that scales fall off people's eyes, that your Holy Spirit that's been poured out over all flesh is alive and active, working in every single heart, drawing people closer to you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We fill ourselves up by the word of God, not by anything else. We thank you that we can choose you even when it's difficult, when it's hard. We thank you that we get a choice to change our minds if we have veered off the path that you've given us. There is no other cause on this planet worth fighting for other than the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you that you bless this community. I love them so much, and that's because you love them so much. I thank you for their hearts of joy, of acceptance, of welcome, and just their eagerness for your word, Lord God. We praise and worship your name. And all God's people You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.